You're listening to Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life Sports Desk podcast on the CMU football team and other matters concerning the college football landscape. Welcome to the Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life Sports podcast. My name is Taylor DeSormo. I'm the sports editor at Central Michigan Life. On my right is Dominic Mastrangelo. How's it going, Dominic? It's going well, man. So we got a big rivalry game this weekend. We have, obviously, Western coming up. Uh, noon kick at Western. So, Dom. What are your thoughts? You've, you've gone to practice a couple times this week. What is it? What are the Chippewas saying right now? There's definitely a turned-up intensity level. I mean, it was the kind of thing, at least when the max season started, where this team wouldn't exactly talk about it, but you could feel that there was uh, a different sense of electricity in the air. Um, this team played a really good game on Saturday, and um, or at least towards the second half. Uh, the defense had the best game that it has all season, and it really gave CMU some momentum heading into the game against Western. So I think there's going to be a lot of Chippewa that will probably travel down to Kalamazoo to watch this game. Um, you have a story going in Thursday's paper about three Western Michigan Broncos to watch. Tell me about those three players. Well, there's they have a lot of weapons on offense. Quarterback Zach Turrell, uh, Redshirt Jr., uh, Corey Davis, who's the little brother of Titus Davis, who a lot of CMU uh, fans will remember, and uh, Javion Franklin, who is their running back, who is the uh, freshman of the year last year. They also returned coach of the year, P.J. Fleck. So Western was one of those teams where you looked at it on paper before the year started and you said, this is a team that could definitely make a MAC title run. Yeah, for sure. And what about Chippewas to watch? Who would you say are the key Chippewas this weekend? Just as he has all year, Cooper Rush, our quarterback, is going to need to play extremely well. Um, I'm going to look for slot receivers like Anthony Rice. Um, Jesse Kroll is going to need to have a good day- game on the outside um, because as it looks right now, CMU's running game is not only the worst in the MAC, but it's also extremely banged up, too. Yeah, talk about the running game. We had Devon Spaulding go down with an injury last week. I think it was a fractured clavicle yeah, in um, first, first play of the game. So yep. talk about um, where he's at and what it looks like for his prognosis. Well, he, he had surgery on Tuesday morning, and he's out indefinitely. It's a very slim chance that he would return this year, um, especially with something as painful as a broken clavicle can be. Again, luckily I've never had that injury, um, but from the couple of people that I've talked to about it, it's one of the worst pains you can have um, in terms of a sports injury. So he's out for the year. Obviously, we've known since the beginning of the year that Salo Valley wouldn't be playing this year. Um, and so now we're basically down to Martez Walker and Dre Hayes, who, again, had spurts of positive performance in the game against NIU. The weather was a big problem there. Um, but the really, it, CMU has yet to really have that explosive runner down the field. Although today in practice, Bonamigo did say that he'd rather have a guy that consistently gets three or four yards than a guy who gets 50 yards every 10 plays. So maybe CMU's offense completely shifts towards the, okay, look, we got to get these guys out in the open field. we got to hit the slot receivers. Whatever the case might be, CMU is not finding a lot of success in the run game. So that points towards Jarrett Hayes then, right? It should, yeah. He, um, he's an interesting case. A junior college transfer from the City College of San Francisco who wasn't get, wanted to move on and maybe up his chances of potentially playing, playing professional football someday, yeah. excuse me. Um, and it sounds like he had a couple of schools they were looking at him, a couple of mid-majors. Boise State was another one that apparently was on his list. He wasn't sure that he was probably going to get that kind of playing time, though, yeah. um, at Boise. So I uh, called Coach Bonamigo, and they were able to sign him. So I think Jerry Hayes is a really interesting story. Um, we'll have a story on that later, um, in a week, maybe next week, something like that. But he's from the City College of San Francisco, correct, right. in California. Um, he gets recruited in May or June by Bonamigo and, and his staff, including Derek Frazier um, and also um, Gino, the running backs coach. So 
he comes to Michigan, of all places, from California. He, he talked about playing his coldest game he ever played last week. Gets, what, 80 yards or so? Yeah, he did okay. And um, now, all of a sudden, he's probably the starter. Um, what, what do you see in his running back style? I know Chippewa fans haven't got to see too much out of him. He's still, still to me, in-game, look extremely hesitant, almost uh, wanting to run to the outside as opposed to um, inside. Again, the guy just hasn't had very much experience and, you know, in the MAC and you know, playing Division One college football. So um, it'll be an adjustment period for him, but really there, there really is no time for adjustment. He's got to carry the ball for, uh, for CMU, and what he's not able to do, Martez Walker will have to supplement. Yeah, he talked about the the sloppy conditions last week and how he had to have two hands on the ball at all times. Whereas, it's not supposed to be raining this weekend in Kalamazoo. Maybe that changes how his running style is. You think? Maybe I think it has more of an effect on Cooper Rush in the in the passing game and how much they're able to do. I mean, let, let's make no mistake about it. The conditions directly affected those three turnovers that CMU forced mm-hmm. um, on Saturday. Well, three in the third quarter yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just I, I think that the I'm hesitant to say that whether or lack thereof is going to affect CMU's running game because they played in the Dome and they haven't had a running game. They yep. played at Spartan Stadium and they haven't had a running game. It's almost, you can never say it's a lost cause, but it ain't getting any better. Yeah. So if you're John Bonamigo, what percentage of the time are you giving the ball to Cooper to throw? And then what about Jare and the other running backs? How close can you get to 100%? Really? Because that's frankly, um, that's CMU's best option, whether it be on second down and third down. And the interesting thing is they're converting something like 40% of their third downs um, with a lot of attempts, too, third and long especially. So we'll see. We'll see how it all ends up shaking out by the time that the, the dog days of the max season roll around. But, yeah, I think it's pretty – it's a tall tale. It, it, it'd be very interesting to see if CMU is able to make that max title run with virtually no run game. Yeah. I think it's very telling, too. When um, you see CMU scoring right before the half, often or just driving, that's because they don't—they run that two-minute drill. They're really not running the ball. They're just having to pass, and that's when they seem to have the most success. Yeah, they do really well. I mean, again, junior quarterback who's extremely accurate and extremely confident, plus has a lot of weapons to throw to. Tight end Ben McCord, Jesse McCroll, Jesse Kroll. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, Mark Chapman has even had a pretty decent yeah. start to the year too. So. CMU has the, the weapons on offense. Cooper obviously can get the ball to those weapons. The question is, can they balance themselves out and make it so that you know guys don't always love the box? Yeah, no doubt. I think it's if you look at the the statistical comparison between CMU and Western, it's it's surprisingly close. CMU is 102nd. Um, excuse me. Um, in rushing defense, rushing offense, they're 124th in the country, and there's only about 130 teams, and 13th in the MAC with 80 rushing yards per game. I think that was kind of expected with the loss of Brawls. When you look at the other side of Western Michigan, their rushing offense is 116th in the nation, 12th best in the MAC with 112.2 yards per carry. That's not what we expected out of Western, is it? Not at all. But, again, you have to remember who Western has played against, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Yeah, they had a bad loss to Georgia Southern, but I think this team is still yet to play its best football. And if we, everyone remembers, it took a while for Western to get really get started last year, too. But by the time that they were going, they were a machine. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see, is this the breakout game for Western? I'm sure they're hoping it will be. Yeah. Um, and this game also, this annual rivalry game against CMU, uh, comes at sort of an uncharacteristically early yeah. point in the year. Yeah, Jarvin Franklin was the MAC um, rookie of the year, rookie last, of the year. year last year, and he's, he's Western's running back. He, he definitely hasn't gotten off to the start that a lot of Bronco fans have expected. Um, talking about the rivalry, last year it was the last week of the regular season. I think it was it just made it really big. Or maybe two weeks left in the regular season? It was, it was, la- it was the last week. Was it the, the final season. week? Okay. Yeah. 
being the second week, do you think that really tones down maybe the intensity of it? Not at all. In fact, I think it makes it more intense based on the fact, especially that Western had a bye week last week. They haven't played yeah. a conference game yet. And CMU just beat the defending champs. So it's the kind of sort of, I don't want to say a make or break game for CMU, but it's a big, I think it's, to me, the difference between a MAC title run being a probability and a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think... Western Ted that week off, like you said, they've been looking at Chippewa film for two weeks. And you went to talk to some of the Chippewa players today. What, what are they saying about this rivalry and in, in, in this intensity? Any college football rivalry is going to be intense. This one at the mid-major level is pretty interesting because it's in the same state. And, you know, a lot of the guys who played high school football all around were looking at colleges. Um, many had to make a decision about Western, Eastern, or CMU. Um, I think that's something that translates to just the, reg- the quote-unquote regular students here at CMU, too. Maybe somebody was looking at Western, looking at CMU, and for whatever reason they decided to go where they go. So I think there's always the what-if factor at play, and nothing can really inspire uh, a determined performance like um, trying to prove some something to to another life that you could have lived, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, talking about Bonamigo, that's something he mentioned yesterday and during media availability. Also, I think it's really interesting just to look at the two coaches. You got John Bonamigo on one hand, first year coach, but a lot of experience in the NFL, um, in college. He's he's been with Army and all kinds of different places. And then you got PJ Fleck, who's still I think the youngest coach in college yes. football, and he's just always riled up. And it's they're almost like the same, but they're also very different. Bonamigo was complimenting Coach Fleck today and saying, you know, what he's done with that program is is exceptional. I mean, there was a reason that he was voted the coach, the conference coach of the year last year. Um, he took that program, and not only did he turn it around, he turned it around quickly, and he did so with energy. I mean, my little sister goes to Western, and mm-hmm. she loves the football games there. I mean, it is a complete culture shift that's gone on under Fleck, and frankly, it's only a matter of time before he moves on to a Power 5 school. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think he's he said how he's committed to stay, but if he keeps winning like he did last year, you never know what, what that's going to look like. Um, so looking at the, the strengths and weaknesses for both teams, like I said earlier, they're really actually pretty similar. The rushing hasn't been where it's, it needs to be for both teams. Um, and then looking at the passing offense, that's really what's been carrying both teams. That's right, especially for, for CMU. But we should not discredit Western's passing attack with Corey Davis, Zach Terrell, who can swing around the outside and run for yards too, um, and Danny Braverman, who's been great for Western Michigan mm-hmm. as well. So they really do have a dual threat uh, when it comes to trying to pick on the defensive secondary and Kayvon Frazier, who, let's be honest, is an incredible downfield tackler, but isn't the greatest cover guy. Uh, Josh Cox, Amari Coleman. I mean, these guys are going to face their first real test of the season. You know, they played really well against Michigan State, Aaron Burbridge, and Connor Cook, who, frankly, didn't play that great of a game. Yeah. Um, but I expect this to be the biggest test of the season yet for uh, for the CMU secondary. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Braverman's a really interesting guy. He's I, I see him like as a Wes Welker type guy. He's not a huge man. But he just catches the ball so much. He, he leads the Mac with 12.5 receptions per game. Right. I think that's crazy. And then you also have on the other side, you have Corey Davis. Titus Davis is a little brother, and he's he's probably just as talented as Titus. Corey Davis is their big play guy. When they need to go and get a score or get down in the red zone, they're going to go to him. Now, when they've gotten down there into the red zone, they haven't done so well this year. Poor Western mm-hmm. hasn't. Um, but you're right. Maybe Braverman is their intermediate guy, and Davis turns into the big play machine. Yeah, and both of them are in the top five in the MAC in receptions per game and receiving yards per game. So it'll be interesting to see how the Chippewas plan on on stopping that attack. But looking at the Chippewas' passing defense, they've they've really contained all the teams they played. They're third in the MAC and twenty eighth in the country with two hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, that's passing offense 
Looking at the passing defense, they're 16th in the country and second in the MAC with 157 yards per game. That's, that's not too shabby after especially playing Michigan State and Syracuse. I know. I mean, it's been a pretty positive performance so far for that unit. So they'll be looking to continue that this weekend. Yeah, a couple big players. you got Kayvon Frazier out there. And then you have Tim Hamilton, who's, who's actually going to be wearing the number 21 this week um, in honor of Derek Nash. They both had huge games last week. They did, especially Tim with a forced fumble and interception, a bunch of tackles, and having to come out of the game with back spasms at one point in the second half. So, uh, you know, that's another thing Kayvon Frazier told me yesterday was, everyone, that's why we voted Tim Hamilton to be one of the co-captains. We knew he had it in him, and uh, that finally came to fruition last week. So last week, Northern Illinois was favored by, what, about two and a half points? Just about. And uh, actually, four of the five of us um, picked it for CM Life. We picked CMU to make the upset, and they did. Now, this week, it's, it's quite interesting. The Chippewas are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs against Western Michigan. What do you think about that line? I have no idea why that's a thing, honestly. I mean, I think CMU is just as good as Western. Um, it has played, frankly, better football than Western has played this year. But in a rivalry game, it, it can easily be a pickup. So who knows? Yeah, no doubt. You never know in a rivalry game. Numbers are kind of thrown out the window. Even, right. Even though we've been talking about that for a little while. Um, you guys, people can check CM Life um, tomorrow for our staff picks, but um, let, I want to hear yours right now, Dominic. Who are you picking for this Saturday's game? I'm going to go with a very close game, and I'll go with a CMU victory 28-27 to on the road in the MAC first road MAC game of the year. All right. I, I was making my prediction, and after I did it, I looked at yours and I laughed because it was pretty similar. You had 28-27 CMU, and I actually had CMU winning 27-26. There you go. So uh, just, just a point different in there. We'll see how, how that one ends up. Um, you can see the other three of our, our sports writers' predictions in tomorrow's paper. We're actually doing pretty good. I think three of us are five and zero, oh, and you're four. You and four and one, four and, one yeah. and so is Evan. So, not to call ourselves experts because you never know. What oh no, we are experts. Oh, okay, all right. Well then, um, if if we're such experts, let's look at the rest of the MAC this week. Um, there's some interesting games going on. I think Bowling Green is has shown that they're pretty much the class of the MAC so far. Um, they play UMass. What do you think about that matchup? That's going to be another win for Bowling Green, no questions asked. Think so? Yep. Um, scrolling down, Miami and Ohio. I don't know if that's really interesting. Then you got for Ohio to maybe win that game. They're so? trying to give Bowling Green a little bit of competition. All right. Um, going into the, the MAC West, we have Toledo, who's the 24th-ranked team in the country. They're, they're really an interesting story. They're playing Kent State at home. Yes, and that is, to me... The game to watch, if other than obviously CMU's game, if you're a uh, CMU fan, just because I mean, the more this thing gets shaken out now, NIU, who knows how they're going to be? You beat Western this weekend. Really, the only team that stands in your way of running the MAC West is going to be Toledo. Yeah, and Toledo is 24th in the country. If they keep winning, they'll be ranked when they come into Mount Pleasant. That's November 10th, a Tuesday night matching game, 8 p.m. It'll probably be on ESPN two. That right. that would be a big game, especially if Toledo is, has been winning and CMU has been winning. Um, really, Toledo doesn't have that difficult to schedule up until then. They play Kent this weekend. They play Eastern Michigan the following weekend. Then UMass. Then they play NIU, which which is probably still a pretty tough game. And then it's CMU, Bowling Green, and Western Michigan to end out the season for That's Toledo. Third November is just ridiculous. Definitely. If they can make it to there, um, they, they should be able to make it to there, but it's really that November. Um, moving down the schedule, Akron and Eastern Michigan. Do you, do you think Eastern Michigan is maybe a little better than we predicted? They absolutely are, and that could be a win for them this year. I don't know very much about Akron, but I do know that Eastern has played real well and they hung tough with LSU last week. Yeah, both teams are 0-1 in the MAC right now. Akron's 2-3 and overall. Eastern's 1-4. and I think everyone was surprised that Eastern, I think they were within a score of LSU in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were real close. Now, whether or not LSU took its foot off the gas remain, you know, maybe folks will never know, but 
I was impressed with how Eastern has played so far this year. That's true. And then the last game is Ball State and Northern Illinois. What type of Mac West implications do those have? I think NIU is a real piss. They lost to CMU, and that'll be a blowout for the Huskies. Wow. Okay. Uh, NIU's at home. They're favored by ten and a half. Ball State's one and one so far in the Mac. So right. that'll be a really interesting game. That's also the next Mac road game for CMU is at Ball State. Goody. That's true. So CMU has Western this weekend. Next weekend, it's Buffalo at home. I think it's a 1 p.m. kick. It is. And then after that, we have, they go to Ball State. 1 p.m. kick because of the Michigan State-Michigan game later on. Really? What time is that game? 3.30, I believe. Okay. Um, so speaking of, of big time, what are, what are some of the big college football games? What do you mean? We're not big time, Taylor? Come on. I, well, John Bonamigo did call this rivalry the, big, the biggest in. He called uh, it the top country. rivalry in the nation. Yeah. And I kept a straight face. I promise I did. Okay. I mean, it's a big rivalry for, for people in Michigan. Right. I don't know about beyond there. I guess we'll, we'll see this weekend some of the intensity. But there's a couple other big games going on. Some ranked opponents. Northwestern and Michigan, both ranked. Interested? Um, only because Michigan is all of a sudden somebody that we have to pay attention to. That's weird. Okay. Honestly. Yeah. Michigan and Michigan State could both be top 15, top 10 teams when they face. Oh, that'll be real competitive. That'll be a real interesting one. Uh, Arkansas and Alabama. How about that one? Uh, it's, sorry, Dan. That's going to be Alabama. Roll damn tide. All right. But Alabama's 17-point favorites. This one's also interesting. Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Oklahoma State's up to number yeah, 21 Oklahoma in the rankings. Yeah, State's, like, real good all of a sudden. So that loss uh, in the home opener against the, the uh, Cowboys doesn't look uh, quite as bad anymore. Yeah, it's really weird, though. Looking, um, Vegas must just really like the home field advantage because they're favoring West Virginia by 7, even well, though West Virginia's not ranked. And West Virginia is terrible. They're going to score points. Perhaps. Um, Boise State and Colorado State. We talked a little bit about Boise State with Jarrett Hayes. Um, let's see what else we have. Michigan State and Rutgers. Yeah, um, look out, Rutgers, because they're, again, MSU is still trying to have its breakout game, and whichever team just is going to catch that wind is going to get pummeled. Yeah, Michigan State was within touchdown of, of CMU, and then Purdue almost beat them last week. Yeah. That's crazy. And then I think the, the ranked game of, of the week is California and Utah. Utah's up to number five. Utah's real good, man. They beat Michigan to start the season, and since then, I mean, Oregon's completely fallen off, so things are wide open in the Pac-12. Definitely a very interesting matchup. Um, that's, that's about it for the top 25. Looking at the NFL, we talked a lot about Thomas Rawls this past week, um, he didn't have as good a game as, as he had two weeks ago, but he still was able to lead the Seahawks to a win over the Lions. A lot of people are talking about Thomas Rawls and how good he could be one day. You know, Marshawn Lynch is obviously going to be there for the long haul in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But I, I make the case that he's definitely a more energetic runner than the second-string running back in Seattle, Fred Jackson. Mm-hmm. And frankly, he's impressed a lot of people at the professional level, so good for Thomas. Because you're a Seahawks guy, right? Uh Basically, basically. Yeah. So yeah. You, you've been following them pretty closely, would you say? Uh, yes, I would. And I'll and I'd also say that Thomas Rawls does fit into the style of runner. I mean, he kind of is mini beast mode. Yeah, he just runs people over. He, he didn't do it as much like we said against the Lions, but um, right. it was interesting just talking to CMU football players and coaches just about Thomas, and they just they lit up with a smile. They're proud they, of him they for sure. Yeah. I mean, every time he, he makes a play, Central Michigan, it seems to be mentioned on, on national television. That's just like cool. our colleagues at the New York Times are very proud of them as well. Sure, sure. We have one, by the way. Who, who's that? Wayne Camadoy. Okay. He's a sports art director at the New York Times. Yeah. This is a conversation for later. Good, good to know. Um, what did you think of that Lions-Seahawks ending? It was terrible. It was an, a total abomination of, against man and God, and Lions fans have a reason to be upset. However, the Lions still suck. 
So. They, they still were the ones that fumbled. But Absolutely. Did, did you know about that that rule? I did not. I knew that if the ball had gone out of the back of the end zone, that it was a touchback going the other way. Yeah. I didn't know the rule about the batted ball. Yeah. The only other time I had ever seen that was on an onside kick when you can legally bat it forward. But apparently you can't do it out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think nobody seemed to know that batted bell rule. I didn't know it myself. And then, obviously, the refs must not have known it or they Which didn't is, see it. to or, me, terrible. Yeah, I mean, come on. You're three, job. right? And a lot of players didn't even know it. No one really said anything until it started coming out on social media. The basic uh, feeling, or at least from what at least I, um, from, from, from what I could tell afterwards, the Lions fans were like, yeah, I don't want to get fined, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and Seattle either didn't see anything or, uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, so I'm, I'm kind of used to these type of games. It seems yep. like they, they found... The most Lions way to lose that there is, I mean, almost scoring the game-winning touchdown, getting it knocked out at the inch-yard line, or the one-inch line, and then almost getting it back, and should have gotten it back, and then with the whole debacle. With it's the, pretty sad, man. It's, it just goes down in the record books. I mean, you got the Kelvin Johnson rule from before, and now you got a, a second Kelvin Johnson rule. Apparently. Year. Yeah, so, real interesting. Hopefully, uh, the Lions won't go in 16 again. We never know. Yes. Um, that's about it here for the Gridiron Guys. I'm Taylor DeSormo, the sports editor at Central Michigan Life. This is Dominic Mastrangelo. Uh, we're, we're periscoping, we're podcasting, we're doing all this stuff. Make sure to pick up the paper tomorrow on, on Thursday um, to, to read a little bit about um, the football game. We actually have a story on a cross-country runner from Kalamazoo talking about all of his friends and family from Kalamazoo, and then he goes to Central. So that's a really interesting story to it. I picked that one up. Um, follow us on game day, too, on Saturday. We'll be doing... All the stuff we'll be doing, the Periscope, the Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And then also your game story, what to watch for, all those things. So feel free to tune into um, Central Michigan Life um, on, on all those different social media sites. And that's all from the Central Michigan Life podcast room. Thank you.